Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Wise Men Say, a Hull City podcast. My name's John and joining me is my co-host Alex. Good evening. And today we are also joined by a very special guest, Brian Lee. How are you doing, Brian? I'm fine, thanks, gents. So, um, Brian and I go way back, uh, having Brian been one of uh, my dad's best friends and many a City memory. Probably away games mainly, because uh, Brian, you sit in the East Stand, well, when we're allowed in games, don't you, Brian? Yeah, um, yeah. South nice. Stand. Yeah, day, day one at the East Stand, same seat. Well, um, many of you will probably, um, well, definitely head Brian in the away <laughs> game, uh, starting a chant. Um, and, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll be able to find out a little bit more about you with um, Alex's little segment, Woody's Questions. And then what we'll do is uh, we'll look through the games that have gone by and then look forward to the games that are yet to come. So, Alex, did you want to start off with any um, any of your questions? Yeah, so I'll do I'll do Woody's questions shortly. What I thought we'd do is, um, Brian, I'll ask you first. So what, what do you do away from football? What, what do you do as, you know, uh, fair time well, and stuff? Uh, obviously, used to run boys football and, and things like that. But my son's now at... Um, Northumbria uni, so uh, he's in his fourth year there. So once he went up there, um, I thought, oh, fantastic. You know, that's it now. That's me done. Hmm. Uh, and then my daughter went, whoa, 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 whoa. I've stood on touchlines for the last 13 years. Now he's spending a bit of time with me. And she is a runner. And um, she's the uh, female captain at City of Hull. So Brilliant. she's quite quite a keen runner and, you know, elite athlete. Um, so I didn't really have much choice. So I've got into 5K, well, starting from the park runs and then up to 5Ks, 10Ks and other daft events all around Yorkshire and Lincolnshire that I get bullied into but really quite enjoy it. Yeah. So not, <laughs> not a bad thing to get involved with in terms of your health. Yeah, yeah, still, uh, still running at a decent, decent level, and I do the club runs Tuesdays, Thursdays, and keep up with the younger ones. So yeah, still, still batting away. Well done, you. What's your son studying at uni? 
he's done sports development and now he's doing a, a business uh, masters. Yeah, he's got his masters. Very good. So would you say are you more like are you a bit of a family man, Bry? Yeah, I would say so. You know, obviously was involved in boys football and everything, and yeah. then you know, obviously with my daughter now, you know, I go all over with you know supporting her at cross countries and. You know, have we have we have done over the years with my son? Uh, he's been playing for Bedlington up in the northeast. John's aware of that one, John. Yeah, good player as well. Uh, he's, he's done. Player. He's done all right. Yeah, he's he's uh, nice trip up to Blad Spartans last year in the uh, Northumbria Senior Cup, which was a nice experience for for him. Um, they're they're at a very good standard. Uh, Bedlington are a couple of leagues below, but nice to get up to to Blyde's ground and uh, have a little look um, from a bit of nostalgia, really, from when City were up there in the FA Cup in the early eighties, and uh, we got a draw up there and went and won the replay at Ellen Road. But uh, yeah, as they brand themselves the most famous non-league club in the world, so it was nice to get up there. Yeah, brilliant. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I've got these questions that I asked John. Uh, I'm assuming you're not aware of them. So moving closer to City now. So, yeah, I've got five uh, five Hull City questions. Um, and I sort of do this as like a quick fire round. Um, yeah. So, yeah, try not to think about it too much. Just see right. the first thing okay. that comes to your head. So, right. first question is, earliest Hull City moment or memory? Uh, that would be... 1973 v Blackpool at Boothbury Park, uh, August, probably one of the earlier games uh, in the summer, uh, nice sunny day, win 1-0. And in those days, you couldn't watch the games, obviously, uh, not like it is today. And we were actually televised on the Sunday at two o'clock, which felt like a week to wait for the highlights. Yeah. was unbelievable to watch your team on television. Uh, you know, you're probably only on television once every four or five weeks. Well, not even that, probably once once every six weeks. And we happened to be on television that game. So, wow. was, was it love at first sight for the Tigers? Oh, yeah. You know, it was, you know, you went to Bulfrey Park in those days. Pitch was unbelievable. Four stands, unbelievable. Well kept. You know, not run run down or anything. You know, capacity forty two and a half thousand. Uh, but yeah, first memories, brilliant, outstanding. So my next question is, uh, I, I give you an option for this one. So it's favorite Hull City goal, but I have said if you if you can't answer just a single goal, I'll allow favorite Hull City goals. Yeah, right. Probably top five would be obviously. The one that took us up in two thousand and eight. Do you know? Not, this is in no particular order. All five were greeted yeah. with, "Wow, it doesn't get any better than this." But uh, so that would be my first one in the five. Uh, Nick Bambi's at Sheffield Wednesday. The volley over the shoulder from Ryan France. Yeah, belter. Unbelievable. Yeah. Great feeling. Best away celebration in, a, in an away ground. And then we get the Giovanni goal at Arsenal. Yeah, um, unbelievable. You know, yeah. there for that one as well. Uh, probably go. Uh, 
a Keith Edwards goal actually at home against Chester when he scored his hat trick, and he ran the full half of the pitch yeah. to score another nice sunny day. And, and Keith Edwards, wow, you know, signing for us then was unbelievable, and uh, he ran the full half of the pitch and and slotted it in. You know, probably the best finisher uh, that we've had. You know, obviously I miss Ken Wagstaff and Chris Chilton, but from what I've seen, Keith Edwards. You know, not much better. Um, so is that four? That's four. Uh, yeah, and then I would, I would probably go um, the Swansea game with Stewie Elliott. Not a great goal, but what it meant was we were on our way. We were on our way to becoming, you know, a big, a big club. You know, that's when I thought the juggernaut started to move towards the Premier League was when Stewie Elliott put us 1-0 up. We win the game 1-0 at the KC. People, I think, I think there was people locked out. Uh, it was only 22,000, but they were only allowed 22,000 in. And uh, the feeling that night was, wow, here we go. This is why you go when there's been two and three, well, three and 4,000 there and, you know, away trips mm. with a couple of hundred. And then you thought, that this is why I come. Yeah, all those tough times make it worthwhile for those well, moments. Yeah, we we always knew these times would come. All of us, all the lads who went to those away games in minibuses and buses and cars, and you were getting beat away. We, you know, that's your dream. That's every football fan's dream. But we we knew we were we as as a as a whole city coach once said, we've got enough chimneys in this city to support a Premier League club. And we always believe that. And so true. Great quote. Yeah. yeah. And, like a and, sleeping giant, you might say. Yeah, yeah, well, I think when you look down the years, I, think, I can't remember it was uh, in the 50s or 40s, it might be the 40s, we averaged 38,000. That's, that's an average. Yeah. You know, 38,000 for a season average. Mm. And you, you look back at those and you think, all those years ago, people used to say, um, oh, we'll never get into the top flight of English football. That was a well-known phrase around these parts. We'll never get there. You know, sides like Norwich believed it, Coventry believed it, um, other sides in the Midlands, because they'd been there and, and they had achieved it. And once you've been there, that myth goes, because you can achieve it, you know, because yeah. you've done it. But, Absolutely. The cynical feeling around here in the 80s, 70s, even 70s, well, we'll never get there. You know, we, we don't really want to get there. The needlers don't really want to get there. Of course they did. But we were never, probably never quite good enough. And I feel a bit sorry for the, for the side of the 70s because they actually finished third when two went up. And that yeah. is okay. That is unlucky, you know. And then we finished seventh when the playoffs come in and it was six. So the Richard Jobson, Billy Askew, Gareth Roberts, Pete Skip, Tony Norman era, they were unlucky, you know. But And then, you know, the rest is history, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we actually do cross that line and we do get there and, you know, the fairy tale's complete. I suppose like, that'll be the case for Bristol now. Bristol, uh, the, the other... Um, City who haven't had a top flight team. Yeah. It was almost it was always us and Bristol, wasn't it? Now yeah. you know yeah. they've got or two Plymouth. teams. Or Plymouth. Yeah, they're, look at they're, Plymouth. Up there. they're the same. But 
I mean, what we've achieved since, you know, I mean, Bristol are still in the championship doing doing reasonably well. But what yeah. we've achieved in that period from 2008, you couldn't write, you know, I mean, cup finals, playoff finals, European football. Yeah, all right. A yeah. couple of relegations, three relegations in there. But, wow. And, that was it. It became almost, Wembley almost became second home. At, at one point, we were going so often. So like, well, we we booked the same coach. We go to the same pubs before the game. We already had it set out really for us. That's how often we were going. Yeah, yeah it's getting expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So next question is: uh, Me and John are really enjoying this. You can tell because we're almost dead silent. <laughs> yeah. Um, so favorite Hull City manager? Ooh, uh, I think John might know this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm a bit biased on this one because I just think that Nick Barnby could have achieved so, so much more, so much more than, you know, he finished eighth in, in the championship with a very limited budget at the time. Yeah. And all he did was ask for money for new players. And it's just the criminal what, what happened to to him and how it you know it all ended but that's another story but obviously I'd, I'd have loved Nick to have gone on and, and achieved stuff with us but it wasn't to be that's football uh, Nick moved on obviously the club moved on and the next manager came in and they threw money at him um, which you know he got the success that the money warranted um, but favourite Hull City manager that is a really Tough one. You, Brownie achieved the most, probably. Um, yeah. But I just like what Brian Horton got out of players, um, bringing in players and then producing, well, producing better players, as in Gary Parker and Richard Jobson, um, Frank Bum players, even Andy Savile. He brought Andy Andy Savile must have played four hundred games. Down to Brian Horton, bringing him in one one. Christmas, um, you know, our age, played at Mallet Lambert. Next thing, he's he's playing on, at Boothbury Park in front of a Boxing Day crowd, and the, the kid went on to make a living in the game and, and brilliant. All you know, all down to to Brian Horton. So, but yeah, I think um, Brown, Brownie credited um, Brian with a lot of his success as well, didn't he? Because Phil Brown was relatively inexperienced as a manager, but having Brian Horton by his side. He said was so important. Yeah, it'd uh, been yeah, it, it, it'd been around the block, and the Horton had been manager at Man City as well. So yeah. he, he understood what it was like to be in the firing line at a, a massive club, as in Man City, even then. Um, but he was old school, you know, and, and that backroom staff of Parking, Brian Horton, and uh, Colin Murphy was underestimated, you know, Brownie, Bra- it was all fate really, because, I mean, Brownie had come in under Phil Parkinson, and who yeah, thought yeah. they brought Brownie in, that he's going to be that, no, nobody would have had Brownie as manager, he just came in, under the radar, got a few results, and yeah, and just kicked on, and was in the right place at the right time, and, and never achieved anywhere near what he achieved with us. Yeah, I always I remember the Brownie talking about it, and he often said that um, 
Brownie was keen to make a lot of changes, you know, in games. Um, and Brian used to say, just just hang on a minute, Brownie, you know, just let it ride out for a bit. And, you know, we'd go on to score and maybe, you know, get two or three. So yeah. that experience, I think, was vital, not just in his own tenure, but in, in Phil Brown's tenure as well. Um, but I want to come back to what you said about Barnby because um, me and John appeared on a radio show this week. Um, it's going to come out in January. Um, and I said pretty much what you've said about Barnby. Yeah, um, I did. <laughs> I was, for me, I think a lot of fans forgot about it because we had almost immediate success with Brucey. Um, but yeah, I will never forgive the way he was trapped. And also what they could have done they could have, if they re- really was honest about it, they didn't want him as the long-term manager. They could have still kept him at the club in some capacity. And I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know the guy, but I'm sure he would have, you know, stayed at that. Given that his, um, you know, his managerial career was, you know, he was in its infancy. So I thought, I thought they could have handled that situation a whole of a lot better. Um, well, yeah, as as you say. Uh... It was just a complete mess in the end because when you produce a a, a, a player, um, a manager, a coach of that calibre from your city and he gave up so much to come back massively, yeah. massively could have gone to numerous clubs, had offers to do ridiculous things, but said no. It's time to come home. I've still got plenty of years left in my legs to go on and do stuff with my hometown club. Don't just want to come and go out to grass and, you know, dawdle along and play out my last few years. He's he's come and give us, you know, four, five, six years of his, his career when it, like I say, could have gone on and played in different parts of Europe. Um, on vast amounts of money than what he was getting here. Yeah. And then when you look at it and what he achieved here and when he was given or not given the manager's job, he didn't want the manager's job. You know, he didn't. He, he had 18 months, two years left playing and didn't, didn't want it and ended up getting the job because um, he was caretaker, if you remember. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically, the story behind it was, you know, Warren Joyce was coming in on the Monday to take training and take over, and Nick was going to be involved in his coaching staff. Um, and then Adam Pearson rings Nick on the Sunday night to say, Warren's not coming, he's had a change of heart, can he take training tomorrow? And, hang on a minute, I'm a player. You know, I, I want to carry on playing, but obviously did Adam a favour, took the next game. Probably, I can't remember. Derby away, wasn't it? I think we won. Uh, Cameron Stewart had a worldie. We win. And then it goes on and on. Yeah. Um, and then Nick's playing sort of like Cattell because he was managing. And then he gets the job. And, you know, without going into too much de- detail, it, it all went wrong. And it hurt him, I think, massively. Um, and, you know, all he wanted to do, you know, I think the question was posed to him, what if a big club comes in for you to manage them? 
and he was not interested. He said, well, Hull City's my club. If you don't know me, I'm a man of my word. You know, I aren't going anywhere. Well, what if England under-21s come and call? No, not interested. I've made my decision. I've, you know, it's my club. So, mm. in answer to your question, mm. when when it did when it when it did when he did part company with the club, there was no other club, and he did have offers. He wasn't interested. All he wanted to do was be involved in Hull City, and then when it ends like that, um, I think it's a big wound to heal. Like you say, would would he have been offered another job within the club? I'm sure he was. Uh, but when you you know when you've gone through what he went through, then there's no turning back, unfortunately. And like you say, yeah. it's it's a sad, sad situation because that that quality of coaching and management style is lost completely. You know, I mean, why 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 uh, benefited from it? And local mm-hmm. football at grassroots roots level have benefited, but you know, somebody of that caliber should be passing the knowledge on to you know better not not better players, but you know a higher level. Higher level. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully the door's not shut. Maybe if we we ever do yeah. get new owners, hopefully the door might spring up and again. Yeah, I don't. You never say never do in in anything. Mm. So. No. so is that the answer? To the next question is your favourite Hull City player. Would that be the same person? <laughs> yeah. Imagine. Yeah. yeah probably. Yeah. 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 Well, there's a few. Obviously, I, when people say who's your favourite player, I just go decades. You know, and, yeah. and, and you, you go, you go your decades, and you know, for me in the seventies, uh, early eighties, it was Keith Edwards, and then the mid eighties would be probably Gary Parker, Pete's. Well, that eighties side for me, you know, Tony Norman, Skip, uh, Stan McEwen, Billy Askew, Gareth Roberts, Keith Edwards, uh, even down, you know, before that, be Brian Marwood and Steve McLaren. So. Yeah. And then, and then you go into the nineties, which was a bit of a barren spell. But you know, we had some good, honest lads in in the nineties who who clocked up a lot of league games because we were lower down, and a lot of local lads got more of a chance. So, yeah. you know, that there was a sense of passion there to win, to yeah. will the local lads on because you knew half of them. To be fair, you know, you yeah. go out on a Saturday night and they'd be in the same bar, the same nightclub, you know, the same pub or whatever, and. You know, you just seem to mix. Well, you were all the same age anyway, but Saturday nights in Hull in the nineties were were cracking nights out, but a bit depressing football wise. But you could actually have a chat with the lads who played on the Saturday because they weren't like mobbed, and uh, you're probably yeah. in LA chatting about the game. You know, six or seven hours earlier, which yeah. for us was brilliant, but not great for the uh, city as a whole for football. Yeah. Well, we're seeing it now, aren't we, with the obviously the League One and the relegation, and a lot of the local lads and, and academy lads, even if they're not local, but academy boys, are now getting that opportunity again now. And McCann seems to be putting a lot of faith into into these players, and also with the the amount of games that we're playing with the Papa John's Trophy, and you know earlier in the FA Cup and Carabao Cup, we're seeing a lot of these lads come through. And it's I've been mentioning quite a lot on this podcast how much of a fan of Jacob Greaves I am. And seeing obviously my earliest memory seeing his dad play and then seeing Jacob play, it's yeah. been fantastic. Yeah, it, it, it's really strange, I suppose, with Jacob Greaves because everybody you speak to, because of Mark, 
there's a willingness for the kid to succeed because his dad was such an honest and genuine lad and also an honest and genuine player, um, you know, but such a nice kid off the field, uh, nice family. And you want the kid to do well because I would imagine Jacob would not get the chance to get above himself um, and his dad will be invaluable to him, you know. Keep him grounded. Yeah, in this short period, you know, you ain't a player until you've played 150 games. So once once you've played 150 games, then come back to me and tell me that, you know, you're a professional footballer. Because there's yeah, so yeah. many players who, who, who play 20, 25 games and never heard of again. But think after 15, I'm there. I've done it. Take the foot off the pedal, get involved with the wrong people, wrong circles. Wrong agents uh, and stuff. But I would imagine that there's no chance of that with Jacob Greaves. You know, yeah. It's good to hear that. Because, um, yeah. you know, the player that springs to mind when you talk about that is Kevin Stewart. Um, yeah. You know, who's you know played a handful of championship games for us, and you know certainly showed a small bit of promise. But then, yeah. you know, he's ended up being for me the last player left at the club in you know yeah. in a previous bad spell. And once yeah. we got rid of him, yeah, you know, not um, saying it was the whole reason, but you know, yeah. Do you think with that the players in this moment in time who have been on? fantastic contracts which I mean you don't come from Liverpool to Hull City on a poor contract when mm. it's involved somebody who's worth eight million and allegedly you're a three and a half million um you know make weight in the deal. Yeah. You, you've come on a massive contract. Now nobody now will touch anybody on wages like that because no. You're not even really getting sponsorship, you know. Even your sponsorships down, your corporates down. You, you, you all right? They say that the money over the turnstile is is minimal at Premier League level, but a bit more so in the Championship level. And I remember looking at Forest Wage Bill last year and the year before. Majority of the players are on fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, nineteen, you know, a week. Now, Forest, are they? Are they? Second from bottom, fourth from bottom. Just a mess, isn't it? it mess. Honestly, clubs like that, if they aren't bankroll within the next eighteen months, two years, are just going to go. Just going to go pop. Nose diving it. it well, nose I think everybody's turning a blind eye to it at the moment. Who's paying yeah, they, the wages? How long? How long can it go on for? Well, yeah, I, I, you do fear. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, we're not missing the crowds because we don't rely on cr- crowds. We're relying on transfer fees to pay the wages. You know, yeah. probably Jared Bones keeping the club going, Aaron Maguire keeping the club going um, at this yeah. moment in time. Robertson, but, Lucas, and yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fees, the fees that are still. Well, I would imagine the Robertson fees done and dusted, but. You know that the money's still to come in for the Jarrod Bone is as good as a parachute payment, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Final question. Um, slightly different angle to the others. Best player that you've seen play against us? Against us, mm. uh, Alonso for Liverpool. Oh, shout! On a, on a cabbage patch of a pitch at the KC, 
when it was mm. threadbare. Um, he was unbelievable. And a very, very close second would have been David Silva when they went down to 10 men and he ran the game. Yeah. So, Alonso for Liverpool and David Silva when Man City went down to 10. I think the beat was 1 0. Shouts. Uh, but, and obviously, we've seen the likes of Rooney and Ronaldo and all the, the world's yeah. best players at the KC in the Premier League. But those two just jump out massively. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well done. You've made it past Woody's questions. <laughs> Do you know what? That was absolutely fascinating just to hear. Like, obviously, yeah. you have your, you have your chat in the pub and stuff. Like, we, we've had many a chat in Malt Shovel, but just to get the real detail there behind the answers, I thought was, was really fascinating. Thanks for that, Bray. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So let's move on then to just reviewing the, the last two games and we'll, we'll sort of go through these pretty quickly. A couple of talking points, really, but we'll, uh, we'll look at MK Dons first of all. And it was a, a great 3-1 win. Uh, McGuinness with two goals and Scott as well adding on with that. Um, shall, we, shall we leave the team for this one, Alex? Or did you want to run through it? I'll quickly run through it if you want. Yeah. So real quickly, in- Ingram, Emmanuel, Beck, Greaves, Elder, uh, Alfie Jones for this one, Smallwood, Honeyman, Adelican, McGuinness and Wilkes. And crucially, Scott coming on for Adelican and Eves coming on for McGuinness. Yeah, uh, it was also the first time that we've seen five subs, I believe, um, in the, in League One this season, and that was that was quite a shock as well um, because I wasn't aware of that at the time. Um, but looking at the the goals, obviously there's a couple of early goals from McGuinness, and um, found we'll, we'll talk about Emmanuel going forward, obviously in the, in both games because he was quite involved in in a couple of the, the goals uh, this week. But it was some really good link up play between Emmanuel and. Um, and obviously, McGuinness's positioning as well, I thought, was excellent for, for his for his opening goal. Then, obviously, MK Don's got a a, a goal back. And I um, don't know what your thoughts were on, on this goal, but I, I felt like possibly Smallwood shouldn't have really gone sliding in when he was that far up from the goal towards his own goal. I felt like maybe a more experienced Greaves could have maybe gave the shout so he could clear it. So he was face, obviously facing away from the goal. Uh, or it could have just been a little bit unlucky at the time. Maybe I'm being a little bit too harsh. I just felt like maybe he misjudged it slightly. Um, but yeah, what, what were your thoughts on the on the game, Alex? Yeah, I think just a real accomplished performance. Um, you know, I think I'm going to talk about McGuinness a bit because um, we've we've been very vocal about the striking options, and surely, you know. If it had gone on much longer, I think um, McCann would have gone with a different option. You know, he's plenty of people knocking on the door. Mm. But, you know, credit to him for sticking faith with him and he's, you know, rewarded that faith. Uh, I think especially um, the the goal where Elder crossed it in because it was more of a pass into the cross, into the box. Mm. Um, less, less a cross. But, yeah, McGuinness did the rest of the work himself. Um, so... You know, major credit to him because he come off the back of a disappointing week internationally, um, and you know he, he played with his skin out of his skin. So um, yeah, I've got in my notes just three three phrases: accomplished performance, McGuinness at his best, uh, and fullbacks key. Uh, Emmanuel and Elder both getting an assist. Yeah, they're both doing really well. Um, Brian, have you seen much of McGuinness this season, and what were your thoughts on his performance on 
against MK Dons. Yeah, I, I think I was chatting to uh, James, my son, about McGuinness, and we were chatting, and, and, and I think when you've played at international level, albeit for Northern Ireland, you're playing against international defenders. And no disrespect to the MK Dondra defenders, but they ain't going to be as good as what you're playing against at international level. So I think he gains confidence from it. And they're not going to be as good. They're not going to be as savvy as international defenders. And when that ball was played in, I thought, quick fee, unbelievable, that finish, left foot. He's taken it on his right, which came in at reasonable pace, took it away and pinged it with his left foot. What a finish. And um, I just thought, wow, you know, good, good finish. Um, international level, League One, you know, you're going to get an extra yard, half yard, and he's, he's taken his chance. He's, he's done well. And, yeah, great finish. So, impressed. Um, I think he's quite settled in Hull now, because he's He's living on the, around the um, Humber Street area. Often see him wandering around, and uh, he seems really relaxed. And uh, I think I think the manager fancies him as his main striker. Uh, and I think I'm I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but because he's scored in two consecutive games, I think that's the first time it's happened between him and Eves. Because he's always thinking, well, if you score, you stay in. If you don't yeah. score, then the other one gets a chance. But McGuinness is just starting to come into his own, I think. Uh, that was it. We mentioned about that as well with the with the form and, and maybe that that's the way McCann manages his team. He has a striker on a little bit of form and if you can get them to peak at different times, it might benefit him. But mm. um, he also, we'll talk about the next game as well, him scoring as well. But um, it was good to see James Scott get a goal as well. Uh, obviously, following up from from some good performances in the cup, right place, and right time to to kill the game, and uh, yeah, good accomplished performance. Alex, completely agree with what you said. I think well, it was my prediction one one. It was a little bit negative, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, felt... go back to last week's notes. I feel like MK it was Dons, bit... Alex three nil, John one one. Yeah, I felt like maybe that was. The, the the potential banana skin, but we, we managed it relatively comfortably in the end. Um, okay, so um, good performance all round. Moving on to to Ipswich, and speaking of good performances, I felt like this the the temper um, from the off was was terrific. Obviously, we got an early goal from Malik Wilkes as well, and um, the the link up play between Honeyman Wilkes and Emmanuel. I think the ball went out from a throw in. Quite early for a throw in quite early on, and, and Honeyman ran straight away and, and played it in really quickly to try and catch Ipswich sort of flat footed and you know start with a real intent and temper, and then that sort of that little link up play between Emmanuel and Honeyman allowed Wilkes to sort of drift in unmarked really, and then and a, a nice left footed finish got the the opening goal for us as well. Um, McGuinness as well, excellent positioning. For his goals as well, so really, really pleased with the performance. Um, and then Eves obviously coming on with a, a nice, cool finish towards the end. What were your thoughts on the the Ipswich performance, Bray? Yeah, um, funny really because we're top of the league, and you think we'd have had some outstanding performances. I think we've, without getting into top gear, um, we've got results and. 
I was the jury was a little bit out and I thought, we haven't played anybody yet, you know, and I'm looking at the sides we've played and, and the defeat to Fleetwood. So I'm just trying to get a gauge of the league. And then I thought, ooh, sticky one, Tuesday night, you know, one goal conceded at home, five wins on the trot, big test. And I'm not sure on the Ipswich injury front, but whatever they offered was just blown out the water. I thought it was one of the most complete performances um, I've seen from a City side since early part of last year in the Championship. when I think we played Preston at home and absolutely was outstanding in that game. Um, And then as bad as we were in the second half of the season, you know, we didn't put performance in then. And, and, And as I say, at the start of this season, I've not seen as really really kick on and, and, and turn sides over. But Tuesday night, I just thought it was a, it was a really, really good, uh, hard-working performance, closed down in the faces. They like to play from the back, which suited us. And then when they did come forward, you know, they came forward in numbers, which just opened it up. And, you know, you look at the Tom Eves goal, you know, it was a, a counter-attack and we've finished and, yeah, really pleased with the performance and you go top with two points clear of the game in hand. So, yeah, there, there isn't any negatives from that one. No, um, I don't know if you've heard, because if you're obviously you're quite active on Twitter, um, mutual yeah. friend John Harrison had retweeted something from uh, Ipswich Local Radio. Yes. And, uh, yeah, Nick have you Nick heard Nick it? Yeah, it's a delusional yeah. assessment, really. Or yeah. of the whole city side, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah. That'll be something maybe to retweet Alex on the old Twitter. Oh, that was yeah. yeah. I mean, for an England international, Mick Mills to come out, but we've heard it. I mean, there, there has been some ugly wins, and there's been some wins that we've not really done anything special in. But I think Tuesday night was was a nice little marker to say. Well, if we do get into top gear, this is what we can do. But we need to start hitting top gear a little bit more often. Yeah, that's been a bit critical, I suppose. But yeah. Alex, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, so lots to say on what you both said. To be fair, um, on your point about um, the, the managers, uh, you know, and Paul Lambert um, was another one who's come out and, you know, sort of said, oh, well, you know, it was a close game. Um, I think there's a bit of a siege mentality uh, with the League One managers. I think I think they've all got together at the start of the season and thought, oh, hey, up, new boys here, Hull. Let's have a bit of man games with them. Um, and actually, it's I think it's working against them. I think they need to be honest um, and sort of say, actually, you know, we're a force to be reckoned with. Um, I think that'll probably be worse for us. Um, but if they keep saying, "Ah, oh, well, we're not that good," well, that's going to give the players an extra ten percent, I reckon. Um, so, in in terms of the Ipswich game, I looked at this fixture uh, when it was coming up, uh, and there was one thing niggling at the back of my mind um, throughout this season. It's we haven't played many of the big teams. You know, we've picked up points against Burton. Uh, you know, Bristol Rovers we came back against, you know, and we dropped points at uh, Swindon, Fleetwood. Um, and I was sort of thinking, I was worried about playing the teams around us. Um, however, uh, McCann got his boys really 
really uh, motivated for this one. And I, you know, I talked, I said that MK Dons was an accomplished performance. Well, I think they raised the bar for this Ipswich game. And like Bryce said, they didn't stand a chance uh, against us. Um, yeah. Defence was outstanding, led by your man Greaves. You know, I thought he was a stalwart in defence. Um, Ingram had a good game as well. Um, and in fairness to Ipswich, uh, I thought the first 20 minutes, half an hour, if they just had a bit more composure, they could have created some real good chances, but often they got into some good areas. Um, it was just that final couple of passes that let them down. And I actually, uh, I was doing a lot of work on the Twitter on Tuesday. Uh, I was, you know, trying to hunt for followers and stuff. So I was commentating on a lot, of, uh, commenting <laughs> on a lot of stuff. I ended up um, finding an Ipswich fan page. I ended up uh, going on their show after the game. Oh, nice. Um <laughs> And they sort of they were really, really um complimentary of us. Um, but also um really um shocking shockingly, resoundingly awful against Ipswich. Yeah. They sort of they was calling for Shamba out, they were calling for. because um, they're calling Paul Lambert a shambles. Oh right, okay. <laughs> um so I think the three things I've got in my notes were a real statement of intent from McCann and the players. They finally got it right against the big teams. And I think that sends a message out to the league saying, you know, we're going to, we're going to go for winning this, you know, come join us up here. Um, The other thing I've got was like you said, against MK Dons, that five subs will, you look at the sort of players that we were bringing on, Versus the sort of players that Ipswich were bringing on. You know, on the Ipswich fan page, they were talking about Norwood being their only good player. And Paul Lambert brought him off after 60 minutes. And after that, it just played into our hands. Whereas, you know, we have, we started with Wilkes, McGuinness, Delican. Yeah, we ended up with Eves, you know, Samuelson, Scott. And this is this is all yeah. about KLP, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, what an embarrassment of riches. Um you know, we've got in those forward positions. So, yeah, you we've know. really have sort of spoke about the depth, haven't we, this year? And now it's we've in terms of League One, we've got quite a lot of strength in depth with the, some of the areas that we've got. We're quite blessed with with centre backs, for example, particularly left sided centre backs. And um, yeah, it looks like now we're we're looking good with attacking players as well. So great, good Steve's come on and get a goal as well. That'll be good for him and. Obviously, McGuinness has carried on his his form, so it looks like he'll probably keep his place. But good to see that, you know, it's maybe kicked Eves into a little bit of gear as well, and thinks right, I need to contribute now as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think McCann's found a way to keep them both happy. Um, you know, McGuinness will start these few. You know, he might end up needing a rest, and then Eves might get a start. Um, yeah. So I think he's looking at them too as the number nine, and you know, Wilkes, Adelic, and KLP. Samuelson, Scott in the wide areas. Yeah, well, it was, a, it was a big win for McCann. He needed that, really, you know, just to sort of prove a point, really. You know, we all, we already know his, his sort of prowess in League One, but, but to you know, to there was a bit of pressure on us there. Big game, you know, and, and we delivered. So, well done. It beat my pr- prediction of 3-2 as well. Uh, I got three <laughs> goals, right, but... Um, <laughs> Clean sheet yeah. was really good for, for Ingram and Greaves and the likes. So yeah. yeah. Just a final word if I may, John. Yeah. Um what a real lesson it is in how to use cup games correctly. So 
if you count the cup games, we've won six games in a row and only conceded one goal. Now, right. you, you know, you can, you often see managers, you know, discard cups and, you know, the EFL trophy, mm. he could have done that, you know, and he could have said, right, we're League One, we're going to win League One, that's all we're bothered about. But actually, by rotating a few of his players, but not all of them, they kept the continuity going, I think. Um, and, you know, he's kept his squad happy. And, you know, suddenly, six games in a row, only conceded one. Confidence has got to be sky high and momentum. So, well, yeah, well done on think, managing that, I'd say. Yeah, and that works well as well with, obviously, keeping, being able to bring players in you know, off the bench who are yeah. already sort of got match sharpness because they'll have played in the cup. And it just keeps everybody like you say, sharp, but also well-rested in, in that balance. Yeah. So, um, moving on then to Hull City Alphabet. Um, we've got the letter K this week. We've been, this has been really successful uh, and, you know, a lot of input from the Twitter following. So, thank you again for that. Um, Brian, I'm going to invite you to kick us off this week. Fingers crossed you haven't got the same one as me, but I've got two just in case. Um, right. So, if you go with your main... Letter K, and then I'll I'll go through mine. Alex can read a few up from the Twitter, and then you know any any others that you have, Bry. We'll go. Through yeah, that. I've well, I've got a few written down. Obviously, I've seen a few on the the Twitter page that have been replicated. So there's there's some really odd ones, and it, it's a bit geeky, really, because they're from the eighties and probably only played minimal amount of games for the club, but they did play first team, so they are included. Now we like those ones, don't we, Alex? Yeah. yeah. John John's favourites are the pointless ones. Uh, you know, right. more so it's a, a really better. good a really good one to start with for all the listeners would be Tony Kelly, which is a lad who we uh who we signed on loan from Stoke and I don't know in those days when we had didn't have any money, the loan signings were the next Messiahs. You know, the likes of Martin Carruthers and Gary Lund. But we signed this Tony Kelly and he really quick. And he, 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 they always look the main man in the first 45 minutes. And the reason they're out on loan with Hull City in those days is basically because they were crap at the other clubs. <laughs> um, but yeah, he played six games. I think he got one goal. Uh, and then my second... Would you like a second one? Uh, yeah, go on. Then. Yeah, yeah. The keeper from Brighton, who at the time, uh, I think we just moved Alan Fettis on um, and we signed Michelle Kuypers. Yes. Remember the keeper? Yeah, yeah, good one, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought he did really well for us. Yeah. Uh, impressed with, well, impressed with Kuypers, not so much the loan signing, but yeah, Tony Kelly, I don't think has been mentioned. Okay, good one, Brad. Um, my, my option this week is... Someone who scored four goals in 50 appearances for the club. Um, but more notably, he scored the first league goal against Hartlepool at the KCOM in 2002. My option this week is Dean Keats. Yeah, for, good for anyone who uh, who can... Well, Brian will be able to tell me probably with ease, but who got the, the official first goal at the KCOM? I think I know this one. Official? Right, so obviously Steve Melton. In the, Steve in, Melton. Yeah, Steve Melton, yeah. Steve Melton yeah, opened yeah. the account. Uh, but yeah, Dean Keats with the the first league goal. Um, yes. So yeah, uh, 
And what we'll do is we'll go through the, the Twitter now, Alex. So any shout outs? And then I've got bit, one will probably crop up from our Premier League, our first stint in the Premier League. And I've got a bit of a story behind that, which obviously people will be able to remember. Yeah. But turned out to be a bit of a belt at this care. Um, so, yeah, really good. I'm going to mention uh, Dean Keats, um, was mentioned by Benedict and Tom Devereux. So, well done to those two if you've got that. Um, Kuipers was mentioned by uh, Tiger Base Matt and Mark Spite and Tom Devereux. So, well done to those. Um, I'll go reverse up this time, John, and I'll try yep. and go for the pointless to the popular. Okay. So, um, another pointless one would be surely be Kushak, who I don't believe made any appearances for us. No, yeah, I remember seeing the name, uh, but I can't ever remember him playing, so you could be right there. Yeah, is, was... is that the lad who we signed on loan from Liverpool? Mm, not sure. Not the sure. goalkeeper who's now playing for uh, Red Bull. The Austrian. You're on a, I think you're on about Galassi. Oh, Galassi. Oh, Galassi, yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. There you are. But yeah, yeah, very obscure. Yeah. So well done to yeah. Zach. Um Pulse um, City Australia for that one. Yeah. He plays as a goalkeeper now for Gdansk in Poland. Wow. Shout. Remember if you made any first team games, I'll have a little look. Yeah. Okay, so um well done to you, Brian. That no one got Tony Kelly, like you said. Um I've got a couple here. I'm, I don't know, so I'm assuming they're from an, an, an older era. There's a chap called Ken Knighton. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventies, seventies. Tough tackling midfielder. Yeah. So well done to Peter Chapman and Sue Cr for that one. Uh, John K. Yeah, manager when I first went. John still living round. Uh, the local area now. I think it's just turned 80. Uh, played in the FA Cup final for West Brom and also was in the uh, preliminary squad for the 66 World Cup team. Wow. And when, when the squad got cut from 29 to 22, John got cut from that. But yeah, centre forward for West Brom, goal born and bred, became Never manager of Old City. Legend. That's yeah, well, Peter Chapman for that one. And then I've got, uh, let's go up to uh, Scott Kerr. Yeah, I remember that one, yeah. Yeah, Scott yeah. Kerr. Tiger base, Matt and Mark Spike with that one. Um, I'm going to go to Kingsley more recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach and Peter Chapman. Uh, then I've got Ryan Kendall from Zach. I yeah. believe Is he who had a long career at Therabee. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Todd Kane, more recently, he was on loan from us from Everton. Is that right? Was it Everton? Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah. yeah. You're right, yeah. QPR now, I think. Yeah, yeah. Championship in here, yeah. Brings of Elsie, yeah. Zach and Benedict with that one. And then I've got, um, so you mentioned, um, I'm talking about your goals, Brian, uh, the Sheffield Wednesday away game. Do you remember someone who scored a penalty in that game? Michael Keane, yeah, the Irish yeah. lad. Yeah. yeah, he was a player for me. Good player. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. he used to turn up for training in a white van, and people <laughs> used to think he was the decorator or the, the tradesman <laughs> at the ground. And is that right? Because there was a chant about him. I think on that ill. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, uh, yeah. 
Bry will have started it probably, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, where no, about East do you sit, Bry? Sorry? Whereabouts in East Stand do you sit? Uh, well, if you can imagine where Adam Pearson used to sit opposite me, I won't name the other uh, chairman at the moment because I don't like him, but where Adam Pearson used to sit opposite... Yeah. Well, where he sits, I sit bang opposite in the East Stand at the same level. Wow. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's half halfway up on on the halfway line. Yeah, me, me and my dad are in E nine, but we we got moved. You see, yeah, we was in yeah in the near the north stand. Yeah, so, yeah, probably bumped past you in the queue for a coffee at one point. Possibly. Yeah, <laughs> I used I used to sit slap bang in the middle as well. Um, yeah, I used to go with our friend Robbie. Right, we, we used to sit pretty much bang on the halfway line. So oh, probably, well, yeah. In Madison, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, Michael Keane was mentioned by Zach, uh, yeah. Mark Spite, and Benedict, and then I've got Marlon King, yeah, um, one of our premiership players. So, uh, this, this is the one with the story, then. So, I mean, Brian, you might be able to remember more clearly than me, but I'm sure there was some exchanges of champagne, bottles of champagne between Marlon King and Phil Brown. I don't know if you've heard that one, uh. No, just with something watch Watchgate at the casino. I think this is the only one I've heard with Marlon King. I think I've heard that basically um, when Marlon King scored against us, sent Brownie a bottle of champagne when he and, played for uh, Middlesbrough. Yeah, yeah. Um, after obviously he was that that was early on in the season, and then um, after Brownie did his singing in the uh, yeah. on the pitch, Middlesbrough uh, went down. Yeah, he sent the bottle back to him. Yeah. So yeah. I kept it on ice for you. Yeah. So I thought that's uh don't know if it's true or not, but brilliant if it was. Yeah. <laughs> well the, the the story goes behind that game when we needed a uh a point to stay up, but in the end Damien Duff scored an own goal for Newcastle at Villa that, yeah. that kept us up. Um Alex Ferguson walks into the KC and says to Brownie and goes, I mean, people don't probably realise this, but they end up going in each other's office before the game and Brownie's going, you know, uh, Sir Alex, you know, um, who, who, who's playing today? And he said, oh, have you got have you got racing on the television, uh, Brownie? He went, no, yeah, but who, 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 who are you playing today? What side have you got out? And he's going, let's get Channel 4 racing on first and they get the racing on and they sit down. So they sit down and he says, well, who, who's playing then? And he went, well, I'm giving because they had a European game, didn't they, on the Wednesday? Yeah. And uh, he says, "Well, I'm playing Rooney and Ronaldo, and uh, you know, one or two <laughs> others." And Brownie went, "Oh, come on, give us a chance." And he went, "Oh, I've got a horse running in this race." And I think he let him go for about two races, and then he went, "Nah, it's the second team." <laughs> and it basically was the second team won it, but then Darren Gibson scores the goal. We get beat yeah. one 0 but we stay up. The worldy yeah. goal as well, yeah. Yeah, cracking goal. Is that the one nil? Yeah. That was the one nil, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah so I remember yeah. us playing United, and and we we went down to ten men. Um yeah. And did, I think um, Giovanni ended up scoring. Um, Kuzan set him up. I don't know what score was, but I remember playing United. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Malcolm King, what a yeah. controversial character, shall we say? Malcolm yeah. King. Yeah. 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 But could. Could score goals. Could. Yeah, it was a very effective partnership with Kuzan. Yeah, both good, good strikers, really. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, when you look at the history of Hull City, and we've had some good goal scorers, but the goal scorers were in the second tier of English football. We'd probably apart from Jelovic, who have we had who's been consistent in the top yeah. flight? You know, I think yeah, is Jelovic is our top scorer in 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 Premier League history, is he? Sure, he is. Yeah, it should be up there. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't looked. Either him or Giovanni, I'd say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um, and you're right. To be fair, we haven't really ever gone and got that real quality Premier League striker. Probably all hoping that Hernandez was going to be that, and that yeah. we could to then sell him on for for quite a profit later on. But yeah, yeah. Jelovic and Long was a really effective partnership. To be fair, he was. Yeah, it didn't go on for long enough. No, yeah, that's, that's devastated true. when they sold long. Yeah, um, and still doing it, still in and around the Premier League now after yeah. all those years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was surprised we even signed Jelovic at the time because he'd come yeah. off the back of a cracking season at Everton. Yeah, but yeah, there we go. It was, it was the same day. I think it was the same day. Yeah, so I think we paid seven and seven and six million, wasn't it, respectively, for the pair? Because somebody said, "Oh, what a signing." And and you know we'd paid for long, and then and then within hours we'd splashed out the same again and a bit more for Jelovic, which was unbelievable, a massive statement. Mm. And 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 then we were, you know, we were winning games for fun then, weren't we? You know, we were yeah. Going, did we go away to Cardiff and win four nil? Yeah, I think they both scored, didn't they? Yeah. Mm. If, if they were cup tied, if if only they were cup tied, really. I mean, we obviously. Yeah. Yeah, um, we we made it to the final anyway, but and it was you know obviously good for the likes of Fry and Sagburn and stuff to play. But if they could have played against Arsenal, you know, yeah. you know what could have been? Yeah, yeah, good shout. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. any, any quick ones, Alex? Before we move on, there's only a few left, mate. I'll just rattle them off. So, yeah. yeah, Marlon King was from Zach and Benedict, uh, a Norwegian, uh, Josh King. Um, yeah, who's. Yeah. Who uh, linked with United this year? So he's doing all right. He was um, at United, wasn't he, when we had him? Yeah, he's Nick Bambi signed him from Man United youth team because mm. um, he'd seen a bit of him because Nick's son was there and he'd seen a lot of him. And yeah, we had him, and then he moved on to Bournemouth. Did he move on from Man United to Bournemouth, or did he go somewhere previous? Uh, I think it probably was from Man United. Yeah. It's not like my new let a player go, is it? And then want them back a few years later. But there we go. <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, he might have had the odd, maybe one or two more loan spells, and then I think he went formed quite a formidable partnership at Bournemouth with Cotton yeah, Wilson, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, Josh King, Norwegian Tiger, obviously got him along yeah. with yeah. Zach, Mark Spite, and Maricus Flute. Uh, more recently, Liverpool Lurney, Remember, yeah. Herbie yeah. King, Herbie King, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Norwegian Tiger and Zach. Uh, another Keen. We like Keen and a and a Kane here. Because uh, yeah. uh, we have Will Keen as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Norwegian Tiger, Zach and Tiger Base. Matt, two more, mate. Um, they've deliberately done it in this order because on that radio show, we couldn't think of anyone who had an autobiography from Hull, could we, John? No. No, but there actually was one. Right. Because um, Kevin Kilban. Oh yeah, of course. Released, yeah. released an autobiography. So yeah, well done to Norwegian Tiger Zach and Susie R. And finally, my favourite, um, the Slovenian, Robbie Corran. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he, he was 
terrific player for us. Uh, Norwegian Tiger, Zach Benedict and Tom Ablett. So well done to you. And there we go. That rounds up the alphabet for me. Right. Well done. Yeah. Well done, guys. Thanks for your input there. Pretty blessed with the letter K. So yeah. Just, uh, yeah, get get your thoughts in for our next episode. Well, we're going to letter L. And uh, yeah, really quickly, let's preview. We'll just do a little sort of summary of what we think the game will be like and then a, a score prediction. So starting off with Stevenage in the FA Cup. I think it's on Sunday on BBC iPlayer. Is that correct? Yeah, I think it is. Isn't it? Is it half past one? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, good chance to see us uh, on there again. And um, I wonder if it'll use, I probably won't use Burns' commentary, will it? But um, it'd have been good to, uh, they'll probably on the radio, won't they? Cause the, yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. So I might even I might even do that because Burns is a, a follower of, of us, Brian, on, on Twitter, but oh, is it? Yet, yeah. yet to make a contribution to the alpha, the uh, whole city alphabet. So yeah. hopefully Burns will get, will get in touch soon. But I'm, I'm a bit of interacting, but nothing. Yeah, not for <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking with this one, obviously, we've got to to mix it up again, but not not to the extent of the EFL trophy. We want to try and get that third round tie. Um, I'm thinking we'll put out a relatively strong side. I want to make a statement on, on the BBC as well. But I'm going to go for 2-1 to City. Um, it'll probably be a little bit more comfortable than the scoreline suggests, but potentially a little fright from Stevenage early on. But with them not having the crowd, you know, it might work in our favour. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, what, what are your thoughts, Bri? What do you think? Uh, well, they got a result in there against Port Vale uh, the other night. Um, so they'll be a bit buoyed by that. I wouldn't imagine they've got a big squad, so they won't have a lot of choice. They'll probably have to play a similar side than what they've played. So they'll be in good spirits. I think... I think we will make changes. You know, the two centre-halves will definitely change. I think Alfie yeah. Jones and McLaughlin will play there and, you know, Callum Jones will get a run out in midfield. I would have thought Keen Lewis Potter will come back in with uh, James Scott and, and Tom Eaves. So you're still talking yeah. a strong side, but players yeah, will yeah. played consistently um, in the in the starting eleven. So I'm going to go 2-0 to us. 2-0. Okay, solid. Yeah, and I agree with you there. It's not going to be a... Maybe we might not see the likes of Chadwick um, maybe off the bench potentially, but not starting. It'll be yeah. it'll be sort of Eves, those, um, Scott, those sorts of players who are sort of chomping at the bit for a start, really. Alex, yeah. what's your prediction? Yeah, I'm going to go bold, me. Um, I think we'll run them off the park. Um, I think when we've made changes this season, it hasn't really affected the style of play that much. Like, for example, MK Dons, we had Alfie Jones on the pitch and Ipswich, we started Slater. Um, yeah. But it, we still played exactly the same. Um, and again, we, we could change the full-back four and it'd still be the same system. So, you know, we could go Coyle, Jones, um, McLaughlin um, and um, Fleming. And, it, it you know, it, we'd still be relatively similar. So I think we'll make a few changes, hopefully... Um, bring on a few of the youngsters. Uh, I hope Samuelson gets a run out as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for one of those dominant performances. I'm going to go um, 4 0. 4 0. Okay, well, impressive. Okay. And finally, back to the league uh, midweek against Doncaster. We'll start off. Um, do you want to start off, Alex? And we'll go back the other way around. Yes. Um, 
Doncaster, tricky one. Um, I suppose, um, you know, that's you're not going to get many teams closer than Doncaster to us. So, you know, it's, it's a Yorkshire derby, um, and they'll be they'll be up for it. So anything could happen. Uh, I think it'll be a, a close game. Um, maybe a, you know a couple of sendings off, uh, a bit scrappy. Feisty, uh, yeah. yeah, feisty one. Uh, maybe a, a sneaky one nil away win. Is it away or is it home? Ooh. Home. 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 One nil yeah. home win. Then. It's one of, one of them. I'm I I'm like sort of just looking at the fixtures now and not home and away. You know, while there's no fans yeah. there, it, it, it's it's so strange. The yeah. You know, I think it was the other week with the Premier League and all, all the way teams were winning. And um, yeah, so so with that in mind at home, to be fair, that sort of justifies my prediction. Um, but we'll go to Brian next and I'll, I'll finish us off on that one. All right. I, I watched Donny against Wimbledon a couple of weeks back and I was really impressed with him. I thought, they, you know, they were a really useful team. Um Bit, bit of a tricky one. We we don't draw games. I just think I don't know. I just got a sneaking feeling it's going to be a draw uh, because of the McCann thing as well. I think it's his first competitive fixture against Donny. I think we've played him in a pre-season, have we? But not in a yeah. competitive game. Um, so I think that'll have an impact as well because they'll have players there who were there when he was there. And also, no disrespect to Doncaster, knowing that they might have a chance of playing Championship football next season um, if they impress him, because you know he's, he's got a track record of going back for ex players. <laughs> yeah. So I just think there's there's quite a few positives for Donny. Uh, you know, a nice stadium, KC again, just down the road, like you say. I just think one one. Yeah, mm. could could very well be. Um, I, I I usually go for the old draws, just you know, law of average. If anything, um, I went for a one-one and a three-two for the last two games, but going to be a little bit more positive this week. I'm going to go for a two-nil win, uh, a dominant home performance on the back of an FA Cup win. So two-nil for me, and uh, yeah, that takes us to the end of the episode. Uh, thanks, Brian, for for coming on the show. I've got to say, it's just been fascinating listening to. You know, different memories uh, of Hull City from, from different areas. And uh, it's just been, yeah, like I say, a pleasure to have you on. We'll, we'll look forward yeah. to having you on again at some point. Yeah, you're welcome, Alex. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. And, uh, sorry, Alex. Yeah, I was just going to echo what you said, John. I think, um, you know, we just, me and John were probably just ears pricked up, really enjoyed listening to the stories and, um, you know, I'd, I'd welcome you know you on again because yeah, uh, it's just it's been a lesson really. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Um, oh, you're, well, you're welcome. Cheers, John. Thanks yeah. for uh, inviting us on. No problems. We've um, yeah, we we started it earlier on, uh, just you know, as the season was beginning, really, just because we felt like we we're at a point in in our sort of lives as whole city fans and and the whole fan base were really of on the back of a relegation feeling really flat and, and negative and it was something to maybe just try and uplift us again a, a couple with lockdown and not being able to go to the pub and have our usual chats before a game I thought it'd be a really nice thing to do so it's been great to have different people on and get
get their insights. So I'm sure that all the listeners will be delighted just to, and fascinated, like we say, to, to listen to this. So thanks again. Yeah, you're welcome, lads. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. And that is rounding up our latest episode of the Hull City Podcast. You can get this on all available podcast platforms. And don't forget as well to follow us on the Twitter at Hull City Podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.